daughter's in college. She's a junior in college. It's crazy how time goes so fast. And then I have a son who's a senior in high school. So at my house, we're having a lot of conversations about the will of God. What is God's plan? I mean, my, my daughter is wrestling through, okay, is this the right major? Is this the right career path in my life? Uh, my son is going, okay, where, where does God want me to go to school? What, what is God's plan for my life? I, it's been interesting conversations just because my, my oldest daughter's at OBU, and, and she didn't want to go there at first. And, and, uh, and so we were looking at OSU, at, at OU, and all these different schools, and we were just praying, Lord, where, where do we go? Where does she go? And, uh, and it's it's. It's amazing to realize that we can know the will of God, that God has a will for your life. God has a plan for your life. And it doesn't matter if you're at that milestone of your senior year of high school, where do I go to school because your path changes, and, or whether you're in college, what career I choose. At every phase of life, we need to know the will of God, whether you're a parent Raising your kids, Lord, how do we uh, raise our children? Whether it's uh, you're single and you're about to get married, Lord, is this the right one to marry? Whether it's a, a, a career move all through my life, all through our lives, we need to know the will of God. Whether it's a grandparent, Lord, how do I coach my kids, my adult kids? How do I speak into the lives of my grandkids? They're, they're, we're, we're desperate to know the will of God, and what's amazing is we can know it. We can know God's will. And, and we're in Acts 16 today. And if you have your Bibles turned there, uh, Acts 16 is this really fascinating story of, and, and, and as we wrap our minds around this story, I pray we, we can rub shoulders and understand how to discern the will of God. You know, it's interesting as uh, this, is, this is Paul's second missionary journey. Acts 15 was this pretty big conflict. And, 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 and look there, and I want you to stay with me through this whole chapter. We're going to process Acts 16, the, uh, uh, the entire chapter today. But, but if you remember last week, uh, we saw in Acts 15, there was this big controversy, this big church fight, if you will. And it was a big fight, it was a big struggle, and it was over salvation. And if you remember, and I'm not going to go into the full details of last week, but, but this was a pretty serious conflict that, that there were a group of Jewish people in Acts 15 that were saying that in order to be saved, you had to be circumcised. You had to follow this Jewish custom. Essentially, you had to convert to Judaism to be saved. And Paul said, no, no, that's not what Jesus came for, and, and you've missed the gospel. And then they had this big disagreement about it, and, and it was so big, they went to Peter and James, and, and Peter and James uh, said, yeah, we got to clarify this. And so they had this big discussion, and they settled it, and they said, no, it's faith alone in Christ. That's how a person is saved. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to follow the Jewish customs. And they, they, they were so serious about it that we need to communicate this all over the world to believers everywhere. They wrote a letter, and they were sending it out to the Christians all over the world. And 
Paul and Silas, uh, remember, they, they, are, they started on this missionary journey, and they have a copy of this letter. Now, it's interesting as you look at be, the beginning of Acts 16, because um, this is a very important moment in Paul's life, because this is where he meets Timothy. Timothy was one of Paul's uh, beloved uh, disciples, and, and I think Timothy got saved uh, in Paul's first missionary journey. So Timothy is young, and he watches Paul go through this persecution at Lystra that we've looked at through the book of Acts, and, and now Timothy is going to join Paul in his journey. And what's interesting, look, look at verse 3 with me. It's interesting because, you know, Paul had just gone through this big fight saying you don't have to be circumcised to, to be a Christian. But verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and he circumcised him. Because the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they went on through their cities and delivered them from from for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily so it's interesting to me that Paul goes through this big fight with the church saying you don't have to be circumcised but then Timothy comes and joins him Timothy's dad's a Greek his mom's Jewish and what is the first thing Paul says to Timothy hey buddy you need to be circumcised and, he, and, and before they start, now it's, it's now, now what's, and I think I, I, wanted, I needed to say that this week before we jumped into our text today. Because it's interesting because the, 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 the fight in Acts 15 was over the gospel. But, but Paul was looking at Timothy going, hey buddy, we're going to go spend a lot of time with Jewish people. And we don't want anything to come in the way of them hearing the gospel. So basically, he says to Timothy, it's about fitness for ministry. It's about, hey, you gotta, you got to not let others stumble. you got to not be a stumbling block. And, and, and I want you to know something. It's a wise spiritual leader who knows when to apply the principles of the word of God and, and stand firm and say, look, this is what salvation is. That's what Paul did. He had a letter in his hand saying, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. But he said, look, we need to yield to this right here. It's a wise spiritual leader who knows when to yield and when to say, look, let's not be a stumbling block to another believer. And so that's what Paul does. He... he um, he led Timothy, look, I want to prepare you for ministry. And, and, and here's the point. Paul was preparing Timothy to be a pastor, a leader, a teacher. And the way we live matters, right? And, and this is what the, the Scripture points us to, 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 to recognize as Christians. The way we live matters. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that, that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Timothy didn't need to be circumcised to be saved. But he said, look, I want you to be a good witness to those that are weaker. And it causes us to pause for a minute and, and pay attention to the way we live our lives. What are, what are our practices? How, how do we live our lives among people that don't know the Lord? 
We should pay attention to that. Now, if you have your Bible, stand with me. Let's look at Acts chapter 16. We stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. If you're here and you're new today, one of our practices at our church is, is we just stand in honor of God's Word. Because when we read it, uh, I want us to recognize. It's just a way of, of recognizing this is not my Word. This is God's Word. And, and, and let's submit ourselves to the Word of God. And, and just honor the Lord by standing. And, and then as, after I read the text, I'll simply state the obvious. This is the word of the Lord. And I would appreciate it if you would respond with an obvious statement. Hey, praise be to God. Praise be to God for his word. Verse 6. And when they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word, of the, the word in Asia, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now in this, now in this story, in this, in this chapter of Scripture, we, we understand several important truths about God's will. And then this is very important. Now if you're following along in your notes, I hope you do. Point number one is this. Do you know that sometimes God closes one door to open a better door? Have you ever seen that in your life? Have you ever experienced God shutting a door for you and, and questioning, God, what, what, what are you doing? I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I've experienced this multiple times in my life uh, of, of trying to do something that, that seemed to be good, seemed to be really a, a good thing, but then being stopped in my tracks. You know, you know it's interesting because Paul, in, in this passage, you see that um, Paul discovered that closed doors are a way of improving our path, not stopping our progress. I want you to see that. I want to say that again. Closed doors are a way of improving our path, not stopping our progress. And sometimes we get frustrated when God closes a door. We go, God, I don't understand. What are you doing? I'm, I'm trying to do your will. Now, now it's interesting because Paul is going from town to town. He's establishing these churches. And, and, and he was on his way to Asia, and God stopped him. Look at verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And look at this. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That word forbidden in your text, uh, it means to be stopped in your tracks, to be cut off. Now that's interesting to me. Because, I mean, look, people in Asia needed Jesus, right? I mean, weren't there lost people in Asia that needed the Lord? I mean, Paul was on his way to Asia. He stopped in his tracks, and, 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 and then God changes his direction. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been boxed in? You felt like, I'm boxed in. I, Lord, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand. And, and, 
and I'm learning this, and I'm learning this proverb. In Proverbs 20, 24, says this, A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can a man understand his way? And I don't know if you've been in that spot where you're like, Lord, I, I, I really want to follow you. I really want to go where you want me to go, but I don't understand. Verse 8. And you see this unfold, you see this story unfold, that, that God, is, God is at work, even though a door is closed. So passing through Mysia, he went down to Troas, and then he got a vision. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. So, so now Paul's like, okay, good. I know where we're going to go. I know this is going to be awesome. Let's go to Macedonia. Where's Macedonia? It's Philippi. This is the, Acts 16 is almost like the prequel to the book of Philippians. Okay, this is where the church at Philippi started. And And you know what? Uh, Here's a principle that I want us to see. At times, God delays our plans. At times, God will delay your plans to teach you to trust him. And I've seen this in my life. There have been times that that in multiple stories I could tell you of, of moments that I thought I was supposed to go this way, but God changed my plans and directed me this way. And and I and in hindsight's 2020, right? I can look back and see, God, you were in this the whole time. Like, like uh, I remember when, when Robin broke up with me. I mean, it was terrible. I was, I mean, she, it was a long time ago. It wasn't recently. I just want you to know. But, um, but, um, but we were in college, and, 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 and we broke up. And I'm thinking, oh, shoot, I'm not going to get better than Herb. So um, I, it was really sad. And we had the cheesiest moment in dating history. It was the cheesiest moment. It's going to make you throw up in your mouth. But I'm going to tell you real quick. Um, um, we were dating, and, and we, we'd broken up, and we finally, I said, okay, we're done. We're done. And I went to Ford Music Hall to see her, and I was like, Robin, we are finished. And she's practicing piano. I'm at Ford Music Hall on the campus of OBU, and I looked at her as she's practicing piano, and I said, have you ever heard of Michael W. Smith? Anybody ever heard of him? Okay, he wrote a song called Pray For Me. Okay, have you, anybody know that? You know that song? Okay, we sat on a piano bench at Ford Music Hall and quoted that entire song to one another. Verse 1, verse 2, chorus and bridge. As we were like, here's where the road divides. And we're crying and it was terrible. And, and I mean, it was the cheesiest moment of dating history. I'm so glad there's no video of that. I hope God threw it away. But, um, but you know, looking back, I was like, God, I... I I don't understand your will. And I'm thankful he brought her back, let me marry her. I'm thankful for that. But, 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 but you know what? God sometimes delays our plans to teach us to trust him. And God will do this for you. And it's interesting because, so verse 11, so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to uh, Samothrace and, and the following day to Neapolis and there to Philippi, which is a leading city 
of the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days, verse 14. And then one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So, so there's, he goes to the city and, and Lydia gets saved. A lady gets saved. She's a, an important lady, a wealthy lady. Verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, And turned and said to her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, Paul's like going around, Lydia gets saved, and, and then this, this possessed girl keeps following her around. And, and I don't know, he's just, he, she's annoying him. She's bugging him. And he finally turns around and says, come out. I mean, have you ever wanted to do that at work? I mean, I mean look at somebody and go, come out. That would freak people out, wouldn't it? I mean, they'd be like, what are you doing? I mean, touch their head and go, come out, you know. I've always wanted to do that, but I've never had the guts. Um, but, but he's annoyed, and he says, come out, demon. And it does. And, 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 and she, she gets saved. She comes to Christ. And, and look at this. So, so two women get saved. Now, ladies, I just want you to understand, I'm not being mean or or, or sexist or anything like this, but at this time in the history of the world, um, you, you really were hoping men would get saved because ladies didn't have the influence that, that men had. And so Paul gets this vision, I'm going to Macedonia, he's been there many days, and the only people that have gotten saved is Lydia, she was cool, but then this demon-possessed girl. He's like, well, this isn't really fruitful, This isn't really working out like I thought. And then it gets worse. Verse 19, when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the ruler. So Paul's like, great, I'm going to get beat up again. Here I am trying to follow God's will. I I got this vision. I was so excited. And now I'm the only fruit I see is two women that get saved and, and, and one's Kind of crazy still, probably, I don't know. And, and she's, and now they're in trouble again. And so it's, it's interesting. I think Paul discovered something pretty important, that being in God's will, you know, if, if you're in God's will, it doesn't guarantee instant success, right? It doesn't guarantee that. Um, it's interesting. We see verse 22. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. God, I'm I'm following your call, and now I'm beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into stocks. Now, you know what the stocks were? They were these fasteners that, that would spread your legs out or fold your legs, and it would, it would produce cramping. So have you ever had a cramp in your leg and you can't straighten your leg to get it out? That's called in Scripture a bummer. <laughs> 
And, and, uh, and, and, you know, that's what they had on. They had these on. Now, how does that old cliche go? That, that when, you're, when a person is in God's will, everything just falls into place, right? When, when everything begins to fall apart, it's evident that, that you've sinned and God's punishing you or, or you're out of his will or you're not really a Christian when everything's falling apart. Or a true and obedient Christian will never have like a, a financial reversal, a struggling business, trouble in their home, personal doubts, or, you know, thrown into prison in Philippi with your legs in stocks. I mean, that doesn't happen, right? Of course it could. Of course it could. And so point number two is, is well, well, I want you to see this being in God's will doesn't guarantee life will go smoothly, does it? It doesn't guarantee this, but point number two that it's not the end of the story. God always comes through in his way and in his time. And I want you to know that about God. That even when you're going, Lord, where are you? I mean, it very, Paul could have very easily said, God, where are you? God, I'm following your call. You're the one that stopped me from going to Asia. Maybe they wouldn't have beaten me with rods in Asia. Maybe I wouldn't be in these stocks if I was in Asia, but I'm in Philippi, and this stinks. Is this your will? But look what happened. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Really? I mean, I mean, I love that song we just did, So Will I. Talks about just how God is is so created everything and if the rocks will cry out I'm going to cry out before they do. I'm going to I'm going to follow the Lord, submit to him. Now, it's easy for me to come here and sing praises to the Lord. But if I was in stocks with my legs cramping, I'm not sure that's the time I'm going, "Hey Silas, what song do you want to sing right now? You want to sing How about Jesus loves me? <laughs> How about that, Silas?" No. We most of the time, we don't act like that, do we? But he's, they're singing praises to God, and, and the prisoners were listening to them, probably going, you guys are nuts. And suddenly, look at this, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had said escaped, because that was the punishment then. If, if, if you were a, a, a prison guard and your guys got, got away, then guess what? You were responsible, and it was an ultimate sacrifice, ultimate punishment. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we, will all, we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights, rushed in and trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine that? 
I mean, this jailer's like, how can I be saved? This guy that's uh, put him in the stocks. And verse 31, and they, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke, spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And he brought them up into his house and set food before him and for them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Now look at these guys, and I'm just amazed at them. I'm amazed at the way they, they trust the Lord. And, and, and here's what we see about God's will, and I want us to, to see this. Do you know that God always provides the strength we need? That, that when you're serving the Lord, that, that he, he will always provide the strength you need. Always. You know that when you're serving the Lord, God will always give you the words to say. Sometimes we think, oh, well, Lord, what would I say if I was in this moment? What would I say if I was facing difficulties? Well, let me tell you something. God's going to provide that for you. God will always give you what you need in the moment that you need it. And God always shows us the path to take. And this is why I love serving the Lord, is God will always show you what to do. And so if you're here in a tough spot and you feel like, okay, I, I feel like I'm in shackles. I feel like I'm, in, I'm struggling. Let me tell you something. God will provide for you. He will do, he will give you what you need when you need it. Every time. And that's what he did here. I love Psalm 91, 14 and 15. Listen to this. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. It's a great verse to memorize. I'm working on it. Because the Lord is with us. He, he holds fast to us. Um, he, he protects us. Because, why? Because we know his name. We know him. In verse 35, and look at how it continues to develop. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let those men go. The jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, wait, wait a minute. They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. Now, this was a big deal. They didn't know they were Roman citizens. If you had a Roman citizenship, this was a big deal. You, they, they treated them illegally here. And so Paul said, hey, look, we can get a better audience. We need to uh, stand up for our rights, and they did this. Uh, they've beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And, now, and do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. I love this story. What, an, what a crazy moment. Now, as we wrap up today, here's what I... I want to do for all, I what I pray for all of us. I pray, point number three, that, that every, every believer must adopt this missionary mindset. I want us to see this missionary mindset that they had. These are, these are guys on a mission, missionary journey. Folks, we're on a missionary journey. 
we're planted here. We are a result of a missionary journey. Do you know that every day of our lives is a missionary journey? That's why I love the, the, the mission trip that we're challenging people to go on. You ought to check that out with Follower of One, that, that go to work on a mission trip. Every day is a missionary journey. Look at this missionary mindset. Um, uh, they, they actively trust God to meet every need. This is what, what a missionary does. A missionary actively says, God, I trust that you'll meet every need. Do you know that God will do that? And as a believer, as a follower of Christ, um, God, we trust that you'll meet our need. And here he is, uh, Paul is on this mass, this Macedonian call comes to him and it doesn't seem to work out like it like he thought but guess what he was actively trusting God I'm going to trust that you're going to come through and he does let me tell you something when you trust God he will what you believe about God will determine how you respond to him what do you believe about God do you believe that he's big he's powerful do you believe he's big enough to handle your, 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 your struggle that you're in? He is. And I love this, that they, 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 they actively, actively trusted God to meet their needs. You know, another thing that they did, this missionary mindset, uh, uh, they, they got control of their thinking. And you know what? We need to get control of our thinking. Sometimes we think wrong. We, we think, oh, you know, God, I'm in this tough spot, and oh, man, it's not going to work out. And God, uh, man, I, where are you? Why am I going through this tough time? We've all been there. But, but see, we get control of our thinking. No, God, I trust you. God, I'm going to think like you think. God, I'm going I'm to I'm let you shape what I think. Sometimes we come to, to church, and, and we're like, well, what do I think about that? But no, that's not what we're called to do. This is why we spend so much time in the Word of God. And, and I'll say it like this. I say it like this often. often when, when we, whenever I discover opinions that I hold that are contrary to Scripture, I change my opinions to line up with Scripture. Whenever I have beliefs that are contrary to what the Word of God says, I am compelled to change my beliefs to line up with Scripture. And see, we are, we are a people without apology saying, God, we submit to you. And one of the biggest problems in the history of humanity is I want to go my own way. But no, what, what we do and what we, this missionary mindset is, is, hey, let's get control of our thinking and let's submit our thinking to God's thinking. Let's think like God thinks. Because when I think like God thinks, I do what God does. And this is important. Another thing that these missionary mindset, and I love what they did here, the, use the smaller problems to prepare for bigger challenges. See, this wasn't Paul's first struggle. He had been, he'd been beaten before. He had watched God deliver him before. He had gone through these moments that it required faith before. And there have been so many times in my own life that I thought, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And then God reminds me, hey, remember when, I, when you trusted me here and I was faithful? You really think I'm going to let you down? No. No, you, I remember. This is why it's valuable to remember how God led, what God has done. 
you know, the, 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 the challenge, the small challenges we face. You know, God uses those to prepare us for, for the big challenges. And this is just, we see this all through Scripture. We see this in Paul's life. And, and, and this is why I, another thing that I see, this missionary mindset is one that says, God, I'm going to actively trust you to meet my needs. I'm going to get control of my thinking. I'm going to use these smaller moments of trust when I, uh, to, to, to learn for these, to prepare for these bigger challenges. And then I'm going to make my mistakes my instructor. Lord, mistakes are going to be an instructor for me. I mean, haven't you made mistakes? Isn't it great to learn from your mistakes? I mean, Paul, his mistakes were his instructor. I mean, we think about Paul. My goodness, he was the one that persecuted Christians. He watched Stephen give his life. He watched Stephen trust the Lord in the midst of Saul, Paul, killing him. He's like, look, my mistakes are going to instruct me in this. God, I'm going to trust you to the very end. And, and this is what I pray. This is that missionary mindset. I'm going, to, I'm going to grow up in our faith. This is why I pray that we evaluate, are we growing spiritually? This is why you've got to be growing spiritually. I tell my daughter, hey, look, it's time. She's at the age she's thinking about, who, am I going to get married someday? Don't date somebody that's not a growing believer. I mean, you got to be a believer. You can't be unequally yoked. You got to. I've challenged my children: don't date a believer. Don't fall in love with a. Don't don't choose to love a. Well, marry a believer. And and you know what? Um, we're to grow up. Are you growing spiritually? Are you, are you in the Word of God? Dads, are you making sure your family is growing spiritually? Are you sitting down and having conversations about God's will, about seeking the Lord? Husbands, are you, are you, are you being an example for your wife? You know what? That most, most men in our culture, they delegate the spiritual conversations to their wives. That's not what we're supposed to do. I mean, our, our, I mean, I love it that our ladies in our church are growing spiritually. We need, that. We need you to grow spiritually. Men, you do, you do too. You need to be setting the example for your family. You know, make your mistakes your instructor. Treat failure as this step towards growth and, and help. And, 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 you know, move on past your mistakes. Sometimes we get stuck. Our mistakes cause us that struggle of the paralysis of analysis. We just sit there and go, okay, well, I don't know what to do, and I've messed up. Man, move on. Let, learn from your mistakes. Grow up. Lastly, I, I see this missionary mindset. Keep your eyes open to the divine opportunities. Folks, God's at work in your life. God's at work in our world. And, and, and this is why I pray that we come to church with an expectation, God, you're going to speak to me today. God, you're at work in my life today. You know, God's at work in your life every day. We, we, we sometimes come to church and go through the motions. And I pray we come with a heart that says, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to know you. I'm going to walk with you. I want to I understand your will. I want to I pay attention to your voice. 
And, and when we do, when we're seeking the Lord, we recognize that, that Romans 8, 28, God works for the good. God, God works in our lives for the good. All the, to all those who are according, according to his purpose, God works all things for the good. So the struggle you're going through now, recognize God's working that in your life for the good. And that's what it's like to know the Lord. I pray that we live our lives with a missionary mindset. God, we're going we're gonna to think like a missionary. We're going to live like a missionary. Because guess what? We are all missionaries called to serve the Lord and to let him know, make him known to people in our lives. And, and you know what my job is as the pastor of this church and all of our pastors? You know what our job is? To equip you for the work of ministry. My, my job is not to do all the ministry. That would be a failure on my part according to Scripture. Man, this church, we're called to do the work of ministry. And that's why we do things that are uncomfortable. Having multiple services. Yeah, uh, two locations. Do the mission down the road. And yeah, it's work. It's effort. And, and sometimes we're tired. But, but you know what? Um, that's why we go on a mission trip to our work. And we challenge our, all of us to, hey, we, when we go to work, we're on the mission field. And, and see, here's what's cool about it is even when we face tough times, God's at work through us. And there is nothing more incredible than experiencing God work through your life. Oh, man. I, I love that, that like, I love our, our children and student ministries. You know what they teach our kids? God is calling you to serve him. And so our children are growing up with this reality that, hey, I'm working for the Lord. And, and our students, do you know what's so cool this year? We are hiring uh, in, a, uh, in our children's ministry an intern and it's a young lady that was a my one. She's at ORU. She's a college student. And, and, and she was lost. She was a my one. We, we, we raise money for scholarships for, for our, our kids to, hey, invite a lost friend and pay for their way to camp. Sarah did this. She's probably going to be in the next service. I better tell her I'm going to talk about her. But... Um, because it's not in my notes. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Um, but, um, but you know what's so cool? Is she's, she got saved. And is, you know, going to be a teacher. She's called to be a teacher in the classroom. And I watch my wife as a teacher in the classroom serve the Lord. But she's going to come and work with our children for a, for a semester. It's so cool to serve the Lord. See, this is why I, I don't want you to miss the joy of serving the Lord. Growing up spiritually, of, of, of being in the middle of God's will. Folks, God's faithful. And you know where that begins? It begins with knowing Him. It begins with experiencing salvation and, and coming to Christ. Oh, do you know Him? Do you know him? 
today. I just wish you'd know him. I wish you would know Jesus like I know him personally. God's not distant from us. He's alive and at work in our lives. You could know him today. Yeah, it's going to require you to say, God, I'm going to turn away from my will. Lord, I'm going to turn to you.